morning, Redwood. If it's your uh, first time here with us, I'd like to welcome you to Redwood Christian Church. We are just a group of people who are trying our best to be like Jesus so that we can uh, maybe spend time with Jesus uh, throughout our day and, and hopefully spend eternity with Jesus. I'm excited that you're here today because we are starting a brand new series called I Have a Question. Uh, our world is, is full of questions. There are, are people everywhere asking questions all the time. Often they're questions uh, that are issues that can become an obstacle to faith. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you're somebody who asks a lot of questions yourself because you just like to know. And, and whatever the topic is, you just want to know. And maybe you're like me, too, that when you get an answer, you don't just take the what, but you want to know the why and the how as well. And that's, that's kind of what we're, we're going for with this series. You see, one of the things I've found is, especially with a lot of Christians, and, and this has been myself in, included here, is I can tell you what I believe, but maybe not why I believe it. And I'm not the only person. There's a lot of people that can tell you that they believe in Jesus, but not necessarily why. And so that's my goal over, over the next few weeks with this series, is to answer not just the what questions, but the why and the how. Because you see, I, I think of this, when you, when you know the why and the how, it builds the foundation underneath you a little bit stronger and a little bit better. But also, we are commanded in Scripture to do this. The fir, uh, first Peter chapter 3, the Apostle Peter tells us this, that in your hearts you should honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So we are, are not only encouraged, but commanded to understand the why for our beliefs. To give a reasonable argument to justify a belief is, is called apologetics. And, and the, the, the English word apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, which was used to describe a defense. It was a legal term. So if you got charged with a crime, you went before the judge, you gave your apologia to prove your innocence. And over time, this term came to describe uh, why somebody believed in Christ. And so uh, you would say, well, for this reason, I believe in Jesus. Here's my, my apologia for why. Apologetics is one of my favorite topics within kind of the realm of, of, of Christian study or Bible study, because again, I like to understand the why. I don't necessarily struggle with doubts myself, but when I, I learn something new, it just, again, makes my foundational belief stronger. And if you guys know anything about, about contracting or building, when your foundation is strong, what you build on top of it has a better chance of, of surviving and succeeding in life. But I want to make a couple of things clear before I jump into this series, because I want you to hear my heart in all of this with apologetics. Anytime I teach apologetics, or anytime I study apologetics, my goal is not to give myself or you or anybody else ammunition to put in your gun and go out and look for a fight. That's not my goal, okay? Don't leave today and go get on Facebook and start a debate, okay? That's not what this is all about. That's not the point, and, and that shouldn't be the way we try to witness to people anyway, Author Philip Yancey said this, that nobody's ever converted to Christianity because they lost an argument. I agree with that. So rather, my hope is that you take this information again to strengthen your belief, but also so you have an answer if somebody else has a question. Because again, you may find people like me in your life who have questions. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker or a friend or a family member, somebody that you're around all the time wants to know, well, why do you believe this? 
Why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you believe? This could be a, a, somebody here hearing this for the first time or somebody who's been coming to Redwood since day one. My hope is that I equip you to answer some questions over these next six weeks. So today's question, are all faiths the same? Are all religions equal? Now, whether you're a Christian or not, you probably already have an answer to this question. But here's my thought with this. There are so many people searching for answers in our world today. And again, the answers that they're seeking right now, those are roadblocks for them coming to faith. And so the reason we're tackling this question is because there are a lot of skeptics out there who have nothing to do with any religion, and as far as they are concerned, yes, they're all the same. After all, every religion promises an eternity with God if you do what they're supposed to do. So if you're on the outside looking in, yeah, you could kind of see where you might answer this question with a yes. After all, if, if you ask a Christian and a Mormon, do they both believe in God? Do they both believe in Jesus? Probably going to get a similar answer. But there's also a growing belief among younger skeptics especially that if you claim your belief in your religion to be true, then you're saying everything else is wrong, and that's a very arrogant statement. And there's a danger with that. So I want to make one thing kind of clear going into this. Uh, there's a fact that you can't dispute, you can't misunderstand, it just is what it is, and it's this. If one thing is true, anything and everything that contradicts that one thing is false. Okay? Let me say that again. If one thing is true, anything and everything that contradicts that one thing is false. Is that a fair statement? No, but, but it is. It's true. I mean, if, if there's one thing is true, anything against it is false. Why is that important? Because every single religion claims it is true. Every religion claims it's true, and if you follow this truth, your reward is getting to spend eternity with God. After all, religion is simply a set of beliefs that are based in a truth, and, and those beliefs explain what life is all about, who we are, and what the important things we as humans should be doing with our time are. And if you don't follow a certain belief, it can be hard to understand or justify those beliefs. Some people will say, too, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe so long as you are sincere in your belief. If, if you're sincerely believing what, whatever it is, that's all that, that matters. That's a nice sentiment. And, and, and sincerity has kind of become synonymous with truth, but there's one major problem with that. You can be sincerely wrong. It doesn't matter how accurate you are if you're shooting at the wrong target. And so, again, how do we approach this? How do I approach this question today? Are all faiths equal? And all the questions moving forward, how do we approach them in, in, in the proper manner? Because if you come at, at a question with harsh truth, you can really, even though your answer is true, give a damaging response. But on the other side, if you come too soft and you, 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 you try to get a little too politically correct, then you water it down and you dilute it down and what you're giving them really isn't beneficial. Again, go back uh, to that verse in, in, in 1 Peter and look how he finishes it off. You'll make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So again, on this question, are all faiths the same? I want you to hear my heart. What I'm showing you today is just information about various faiths, about various religions. I am in no way trying to say, look at how wrong this is. That's not my heart. That's not my goal. I'm just simply showing you facts. I'm showing you stuff that is very well documented, very widely practiced. So does that mean that everyone in every one of these faiths is going to practice what I'm showing you? Not necessarily. 
You go ask uh, five or six different Christians, you might get five or six different answers on some questions. And, and other religions are, are similar. So I'm not up here trying to poke holes. I'm not up here trying to throw mud. I'm just up here showing kind of the differences in some of these religions today. Also understand that I can't speak for everyone in a faith perfectly. Again, you might have a, a friend who is Mormon or a coworker who is Mormon, and you might ask them some of the same questions that I'm presenting, and they might give you a different answer. Again, that's okay. You ask me, you go ask another pastor in town uh, the same question, you might get a little bit different answer. So that all said, let's jump into this today, because what I want to do <clears throat> is look at four areas to compare the differences between some of these faiths. The first area I want to compare is, where do you get your truth? If, if each religion claims to be true, what is the source of your truth? For Christianity, it's the Bible. Uh, the Bible is uh, commonly referred to as a book, but that's a misconception. It's a collection of books. It's an anthology of 66 books. It was written by oh, at least 40 authors that we know of, uh, or 40 authors that, that wrote it down, uh, is written in three languages on three continents spanning a period of 1,500 years. Uh, and I know some of you are going to try to take notes with all this. Um, if you want a, a copy of, of what I've got, I will get you one. Don't, don't think you have to try and, and jot down this stuff as fast as you can. But the Bible, what I love about the Bible uh, is, is that we believe as Christians that this came from God, that this was God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. cool thing about the Bible is throughout all of it, even though it's, it's got 40 different voices and there are 66 distinct books and it was written over a period of 1,500 years, there is one central theme and one central character. The one central theme is redemption and salvation with God, and the one central character is Jesus. The Bible is the most published book in history. Literally billions and billions of copies have been produced, published, and sold. What about Mormonism? What about Mormonism? Mormons have three sources that they cling to. The first is the Book of Mormon. Uh, the Book of Mormon was written in 1823, or uh, I beg your pardon, in 1823, uh, the angel Moroni appeared to Joseph Smith and told him where to find some gold plates. And these plates led to the publishing of the Book of Mormon in 1830. Uh, the Book of Mormon is a third testament to Jesus Christ, and it contains dealings of God in ancient America from about 2000 B.C. to 400 A.D., uh, there's a lot mentioned in the Book of Mormon about uh, physical landmarks, rivers and lakes and such, yet there have not been any archaeological uh, evidence to support any of its claims. There's also a book called The Doctrine and Covenants. It contains 138 specific revelations from God, and certain church leaders within the Mor Mormon church can gain a, a level of, of uh, closeness to God where they actually can, can kind of discern on God's behalf if things need to be added to or subtracted from this book. Mormons also have the book of great, uh, book of, uh, sorry, the Pearl of Great Price, which is a book of uh, ancient translated Egyptian writings that Joseph Smith received, and they still hold that and revere that. What about Jehovah's Witness? Jehovah's Witness uh, use two magazines uh, called The Watchtower and Awake. Uh, if you don't know this about Jehovah's Witness, they have a very impressive 
publishing company. They crank out millions and millions of pieces of literature every year, and they're very important to their faith, and I'll explain why in a second. uh, Jehovah's Witness also use the Bible, but only the New World Translation. Uh, They believe that all of their translations of the Bible over the course of of history uh, have become a little bit corrupted, and God gave their scholars this New World Translation as the only pure translation of the Bible. Now, I said the, the magazines were important, and here's why. Jehovah's Witness believe in something called progressive revelation, where God will reveal his will gradually over time, and therefore having a periodical publication that comes out on a monthly basis allows for slight doctrinal changes or refinements to be made as God makes these uh, uh, revelations. Uh, What about Islam? Islam is the second largest religion in the world behind Christianity. Uh, Their truth source is called the Quran. And there are multiple ways to spell it. You could spell it either of these two ways in English and you would be correct. Uh, the, the Quran, Muhammad received this book from the angel Gabriel starting in 609 AD and over a 23-year period collected everything for it and wrote it all down. Muslims believe the Quran is the only book from God that has never been corrupted. And something about Muslims that if you don't know this, I personally think is admirable. Many Muslims have memorized the entire Quran to show their dedication to their God. They have memorized the entire Quran and they hold it so, so dearly. What about Hindus? Hindus have a collection of books. Uh, The most precious is called the Bhagavad Gita. It's the most precious jewel of Hindu literature. It's an epic poem, kind of a philosophical dialogue between the god Krishna and the warrior Arjuna. But Hindus uh, have a primary text called Vedas. The Vedas basically explain how they can appease the gods. And the most important part of the Vedas are called the Upanishads. They, they really explain some of the tenets and some of the practices of Hindu. For example, you can read about how to properly meditate. Or you can read about the doctrine of karma, which are very, very important parts of Hinduism. So right off the bat, One area that we compare, where is the truth source for your religion that you're claiming to be true? And you can already see the differences are pretty broad. Differences are pretty vast, right? So let's look at a second area that I want to compare. Who is God? Who is God? Who does each of these religions say that God is? Well, in Christianity, obviously, there's much more than just four bullet points here, but we would say God is the creator of the universe. Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and if you read the rest of chapter one, God speaks the earth into existence. Uh, We would say God is three in one. We call it the Trinity. God exists in three forms, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is the author of the Bible. Even though human hands wrote it on paper, we believe that God put the words into the hearts of the writers. And again, I mentioned 2 Timothy a minute ago that all scripture is God-breathed. And maybe most importantly in all this, we believe God is both all-powerful and very personal. God controls everything. He knows everything. He, He is everywhere, yet... He loves each and every one of us individually because all of us are his children. What about Mormonism? Uh, Mormonism would say that God was once a man, then he evolved into a God. 
And there is not necessarily one God quite the way that Christians believe there is one God according to Mormonism. Just look at these quotes to back this up. Joseph Smith, the, the founder of Mormonism, he said, I wish to declare, I have always and in all congregations when I have preached on the subject of the deity, it has been the plurality of the gods. Or Brigham Young, who was the second prophet and the president of the LDS, a very important uh, Mormon college named after him. How many gods there are, I do not know. But there never was a time when there were not gods, plural. Mormons would also believe in something called the triad, which is very similar to the Trinity. If you ask a Mormon, do you believe in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? He'll say yes, but... They believe these are three separate gods, three separate beings that all share one purpose. In fact, listen to the Articles of Faith of Mormonism, and I quote, We believe in God the Eternal Father, and in His Son Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. They separate those three. What about Jehovah's Witness? Jehovah's Witness is very simple. There is one God, Jehovah, there is no trinity. If you look on their website and they, they're asking the question, who is God? There are several passages from the Old Testament that are very clear in highlighting that there is one God. Uh, what about Islam? Very similar. There is one God, Allah. There is no trinity. Islam would be kind of the perfect example for what we would call a monotheistic religion. One God. What about Hinduism? Hindus worship a God called Brahman. Brahman is very big, very powerful, but he's also very impersonal. He's in control of everything, but he is very, very impersonal. Uh, So what instead they worship are these uh, other gods that emanate from Brahman. Perhaps you've heard of of the phrase avatar. That's what they worship. Avatars uh, are these incarnations uh, that, that are manifested parts of Brahman, and there are literally hundreds of thousands of gods in the world of Hinduism. We would say that Hindus are polytheistic. They worship many gods, but a Hindu would say, no, I'm henotheistic. In other words, there's one god, Brahman, but I don't deny the existence of many other gods out there. So two areas, truth source and who is God. What's the third area we want to look at? Who is Jesus? Who do these religions say that Jesus is? Well, Christianity, obviously, we, we bear his name. We believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son. Uh, We believe he's the second person in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Spirit. We believe Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect life despite being tempted in every way that we could possibly be tempted. We believe that he uh, was betrayed by one of his own, that he died on a cross, that he was buried in a tomb, rose again to life, ascended into heaven, where he currently sits at the right hand of the Father and will one day return to collect his church. We believe that Jesus is the long-awaited, promised Messiah and the Savior of the world. And Christians, we believe this, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. John 14, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What about Mormonism? This is a little complicated, so bear with me here. 
Mormons, in, in the, the Doctrine and Covenants, says that this, Jesus is the firstborn of all spirit children. In other words, Jesus was one of God's many, many children. There are actually millions of them, but one of the areas where they deviate a little bit is uh, that Jesus was not necessarily, like we're Christians, we would believe Jesus is eternal and wasn't procreated, that uh, Mormons believe that he was. Uh, that, that he was eternal, yes, but he existed as a spirit child prior to his earthly incarnation. And they would point to kind of a textual variant in, in John 3.16 in, in the Greek uh, where it says only begotten, that that word can be translated also to mean unique. So Jesus was simply the most unique of God's children. Now if you ask a Mormon, do you believe in the same Jesus that Christians do, he'll probably say yes. But here's a couple of differences. Society uh, over the years has tried to really align Mormonism and Christianity on who Jesus was, but there are some major, major differences. First off, a Mormon would believe that the Bible's view of Jesus is incomplete, and that is why a third testament was necessary, why Joseph Smith got the message from the angel, why in the 1820s he wrote the third testament of Jesus Christ so we could get a full, final, complete view of who Jesus really was. Mormons will also believe that when Jesus resurrected, he appeared first in Israel, but then came to the Americas, and on the American continent made many disciples uh, throughout his time here. Mormons also believe this, that salvation comes through faith in Jesus, baptism in the Mormon temple, and good works, and it's, it's all three parts to that. So again, you can see right there, there are some major differences and I think you would be wise to, to research and study these a little bit more because the differences between Christianity and Mormonism, especially in terms of who Jesus is, are very, very vast. What about Jehovah's Witness? Again, Jehovah's Witness believe in uh, Jehovah God, but to them, Jesus is not God. In fact, from their website, uh, under the, the question of who is Jesus, it says this, and I quote, we do not worship Jesus as we do not believe he is the almighty God. Uh, they view Jesus as God's son. They believe that he uh, did come to earth, that he was perfect, and he died on a stake, not on a cross. They also believe Jesus already returned in 1914, and he defeated Satan in an invisible war, at which point the end times officially started. And his next return will be to destroy all non-Jehovah's Witness, because they are the only true believers. They believe that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. What about Islam? Jesus is actually very important in the world of Islam, but he's important to them kind of the way David or Abraham or Peter or Paul would be to us. He was a great prophet, one of their greatest prophets, but he is not God. He did not actually die on the cross. He went to the cross, but he didn't die, so either he went into like a, a, like a coma or, or unconscious and then kind of came to in the tomb, or, or maybe God made it look like he died, or maybe they swapped a body somehow, but Jesus himself never actually died on the cross, and therefore he didn't raise from the dead. He is a great prophet, yes, but not the Savior, and not the only way to heaven. What do Hindus say about Jesus? Uh, they say Jesus was one of the many sons of Brahman. He's an avatar who can be worshipped, uh, he was a real person who walked on this earth, but again, he did not die for our sins, therefore he did not raise from the dead, and therefore there is no atonement in him, and he is not the only way to heaven. In fact, a Hindu would tell you there are uh, th uh, thousands and thousands of ways to make it to heaven. So there's three areas. Truth source, God, Jesus. Finally, one last area that I want to compare all of these religions to. 
is what do they say about eternity? Again, if our goal in, in whatever religion we follow is to spend an eternity with God, what does it look like? Well, for the Christian, it's, it's simple. Salvation is obtained by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. So it's simple if you're a Christian. If you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, you'll spend your eternity in heaven. And before I move any far, uh, further forward, uh, I want to show you something that the Bible says. Again, we as Christians, we hold the Bible to be the source of truth. And in Hebrews chapter 9, we just spent the last two months going through the book of Hebrews, but in Hebrews chapter 9, it says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So what we believe as Christians is, is when you die, when, when your earthly body dies, you're done. I mean, you, you don't have any more chance to, to get right with God. At that point, you'll be judged, and if you've accepted Christ, you come to heaven. If you've not, you're going to be eternally separated from God. But just notice that pattern. You die once, and then you're judged. I want you to keep that in mind as we look at the rest of what these religions say about eternity. Mormonism would say you're resurrected by grace, but you're saved and exalted to the Godhood by good works. Some of these works include things like certain diets, tithing, Mormon baptism, mission work, temple rituals, etc. They they view three levels of heaven, which they'll sometimes call levels of glory, and those are the telestial level, the terrestrial level, and then the highest level of heaven is called the celestial level. Uh, Mormons... Uh, view of hell is kind of twofold. There's a, a temporary hell and a permanent hell. If you're in the permanent hell, there's no getting out of that. That's where Satan and his demons are. But the temporary hell, there's still a chance you could get out of there. Many Mormons uh, believe in, in something called proxy baptism or vicarious baptism. In other words, I can be baptized, if, if I believe in this, for somebody who has already died. Somebody who's maybe in that first level of heaven, I want them to get higher. Or somebody who's in that temporary hell, I can actually trace my, my family lineage back and be baptized for every single person. One, I mean, just one after the other. I can get baptized hundreds of times to try and get my family to spend eternity with God in that celestial level. What about Jehovah's Witness? Uh, there are three options if, if you uh, believe in Jehovah's Witness. Uh, they believe that the 144,000 who are anointed will reign in heaven forever with Jehovah. Now, if, if you know anything about Jehovah's Witness, that's a very sacred, special number. Those are the, the special anointed chosen ones of God. They take that out of the book of Revelation. Uh, the rest of the faithful Jehovah's Witness, who aren't in that 144,000 but are still very faithful to, to that belief, will reign forever or live forever on a permanent or a perfect paradise of earth. And those who are not Jehovah's Witness will be destroyed, and they will cease to exist. They, they do not believe in a concept of hell. What about Islam? Islam is pretty straightforward. If you believe in Allah, then you have eternal paradise. If you don't, then you won't. It, it's very simple. But it's also a little bit more complex because Islam believes that once you die, then Allah will judge your good deeds against your bad deeds. He'll weigh the two. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you get to spend eternity in paradise. Uh, and and their, their good deeds and their bad deeds are weighed against, really, the, the five pillars of Islam that are spelled out in the Quran. 
And which, again, whichever you have more of, good or bad, whichever pleases Allah more, that's what wins out. That explains a little bit why so many Muslims will do so many terrible things in the name of Allah. Because if they think it's pleasing their God, it's worth it to them. But here's one catch. And this is something that, that we as Christians would be wise to, to take into account. With Islam, there is no certainty of salvation. So if, you're, if, if you've got a, a Muslim friend or a Muslim neighbor, and they talk about salvation, there is no certainty in the Islamic faith. That's something as Christians that we have. We have assurance of our salvation. And that could be a huge talking point. That could be a huge appeal for somebody who's in Islam to come to Christianity. What about Hindus? Hindus uh, believe that each person goes through infinite stages of reincarnation. This is called the doctrine of karma. Now, you, we use karma kind of in our lingo, uh, kind of to talk, well, you know, somebody did something, they were a jerk, and then something bad happened to them. That's just karma, sorry. No, that's not karma. <laughs> karma is whatever you do in this life impacts your next life. So if I'm a good person in this life, then I will have a better status and standing in my next life. And if I'm a bad person, then I'm going to go down. And it just kind of repeats this process endlessly. So for Hindus, their belief and their goal is that one day they'll escape this endless cycle of reincarnation and they'll merge into the Brahman. So, take a breath. (laughs) You can see just by looking at these areas, and obviously I'm not even scratching the surface of what some of these religions believe. I'm not getting into any kind of doctrine. I'm not getting in any kind of theology with any, any of these religions. I'm simply just looking at four very, very basic areas. And I ask the question again, are all faiths the same? <laughs> Obviously, no. I mean, we don't even claim to be the same. You know, none of these religions even claim to, to be trying to practice the same way. Are the end goals the same? Pretty much, by and large, not exactly, but the end goals are the same, yes, but we don't even claim to be doing the same things as these other religions. And yet, that's a question that so many people have in the world today. Something to keep in mind that's very important to remember. Every person that's in any one of these religions is still a child of God. And God still loves them, just as much as he loves you or me. But there's one major, major difference here in these religions. You see, in all of these religions whether it's Islam, whether it's Jehovah's Witness, whether it's, it's Hinduism, there's this concept of you've got to climb the ladder. You have got to work your way up to God. You've got to keep doing good things so that you can get up and become like God. But with Christianity, God became like us. We don't have to become God because he became one of us. And we don't have to come up to God because he came down to us. John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And you jump down to verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. See, with these other religions, you think that you have to do a certain thing. With Christianity, Jesus did it for us. We simply have to accept him and believe in him. So when people ask me, why do I believe in Jesus? What makes him different than these other religions? That's it. It's that simple. 
I don't have to try and become like him. He already became like me. Now all I have to do is follow him. One of my favorite parts in the Gospels is Jesus with the woman caught in adultery. And he, he cares for her, and she is as guilty as could be, caught in the act. And, and, and again, we've said the wages of sin are death. And Jesus kneels down, and he says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. In other words, stop doing what you're doing, but I'm not holding it against you any longer. He did it for us. We don't have to climb that ladder. Jesus came, and he was on this earth, and it's, it's not hyperbole. This isn't like Narnia, where he's kind of in this alternate reality over here that we can experience. No, he was actually literally physically on the earth. Last year, I got to go to Israel last spring and got to walk literally in some of the same steps that Jesus walked. Some of the same places, I got to touch some of the same things that he actually literally touched. We got to see things like the southern steps of the temple where Jesus would have pulled up a chair and sat down and taught those who wanted to come here. And we get to sit right there. We got to, to walk the road that Jesus walked on on the day of the triumphal entry, coming from, from the hill down through the Kidron Valley up into the, into the, the temple. We got to walk... Uh, the road that he walked from the Garden of Gethsemane and be in the same area where he was praying that night and walk that road over to the house of Caiaphas where he was tried and he was, he was beaten and he was left. We got to see that. It was real. It's not just made up world. That's the difference. Is we serve somebody, a God, who was on this earth. He came to this earth And he came to this earth so he could come and die for us. See, we don't have to try and do works of righteousness. Jesus already did it. We just have to believe. I think the Apostle Paul says it the best in Philippians chapter two. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." That's why I believe in Jesus. That's why I believe that not all faiths are the same. That's why I believe in Christianity and in Jesus above all else. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful, God, just for Jesus. We're so thankful for the fact that, God, we have the assurance of salvation and God, we we have the evidence in front of us that Jesus really did come do some of the things that he said he did, that the Bible says he did. God, my prayer right now is that if there are questions that are being asked, Lord, that, that answers could be given. God, I ask that, that, that lives could be changed, lives could be pointed simply because we're getting questions out of the way. But God, I'm so thankful for Jesus who did all this for me. I don't have to try and, and, and do all the things to get to you because he took care of it. So God, I pray for this, this body that's here today. 
God, that questions that they might have, Lord, that we can show answers. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.